You're listening to Cinema Geekly Podcast with Anthony Lewis, Aaron De La Hossa, and Glenn Bove. Episode 98, cinemageekly.com slash premium is where we want people heading these days for uh, a measly $12. You can get 365 days of not-so-measly podcasts. Uh, I've improved myself, Aaron, from the last time where I believe I referred to the podcasts also as measly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're much better. They're much better. <laughs> um, and, and, and we have uh, not one, not two, but three new people who signed up. Uh, I don't know... Exactly when they signed up over the course of the night, I would presume, because it was in my inbox in the morning. Welcome and thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, have, uh, we have usernames Huge Lister, which I'm hoping is a a reference to Tiny Lister. Uh, oh, like a Zeus reference? Yeah, we have huge <laughs> we have Huge Lister, uh, Chad Bose, and Tequila underscore Monster. So <laughs> all right. I love that. We got some of the best usernames in the business. Uh, so shoutouts to Huge Lister, Chad Bose, and Tequila Monster. You guys are awesome. Uh, God, Chad- I really, what if that is Zeus? How rad would that be, dude? <laughs> he just calls himself Huge Lister because he's so chill. Fuck yeah, I would. No, it's probably just Andrew Lee List. <laughs> maybe it's uh, maybe like it's his wonky eye has signed up for the, for the oh, thing on its own. Tiny Lister's, uh, Tiny Lister's wonky eye. It's, that's where he keeps his quato. That sounds like a that sounds like, lazy eye. That sounds like a punk band. Uh, Tiny Lister's Tiny Lister's lazy eye. eye. All right, well that's it. I know what we got to do. <laughs> we got to be a punk band. Uh, Tiny Lister's lazy eye. I think we should that, try I to think... make that like an like an adage, like a phrase, like instead of like sweet Moses smell the roses, like Tiny Lister's lazy eye. You know what I mean? Like holy cow! Oh, I'm sure that we can make that fly in England. They like to use bullshit like that. They for do phrases. You hear that, Ben? Tiny Bob Lister's Jones. lazy eye. That's right. I love uh, it. He's going to use it next time we talk to him. It's almost guaranteed now, I think. Uh, <laughs> so, Aaron, before we get going, uh, you've got yes. another horror block review up on your uh, on your YouTube channel. Yeah, man. What? Sure did. What was the uh, what was the best thing you got out of the block this uh, this month? What was the coolest thing that came in the block? Uh, well, the, the skull exploded shortly after uh, <laughs> oh, filming the, that video. The squeezy skull. <laughs> Yeah, it's all over my desk. We actually we were actually doing a podcast. Uh, it might have been the Nightmare on Elm Street podcast when I was. It, it just everywhere. Like it's all over my desk. It's just there's splashes of pink just everywhere. The it's worst. like a murdered strawberry shortcake on my desk. <laughs> um, I think they were trying to send you a message though, for sure, with the things that they put in the block. It was back. a total jerk off kit. There's oh, no way it wasn't. Absolutely. I do love the shirt though. I mean that held it pretty well. But yeah, the uh, hand sanitizer kind of came in handy for trying to clean off the desk. Uh, but you know how it goes. Are you sure that wasn't the Kevin Smith inspired, <laughs> uh, block for the month? Uh, I, I'm going to assume it wasn't. Okay. 
Uh, let's talk. Yeah, with... but it had to be for jerking. I, I don't know. <laughs> we've got a few. Uh, we've got a few news items, and then we're gonna dip uh, Wait, head first. Next one. Or has it come in yet? The no, it hasn't come in yet. Oh, okay. uh, we're gonna we're gonna tackle a little bit of news, and we're gonna hop head first, dive head first into the mailbag. Oh, uh, the mailbag! Because we've got a uh, we've got a few things to to discuss. A couple of uh, Cinema Geekly Premium members wrote in, and a few first timers as well. Okay. So that's cool. Um, but before we do that, I can't believe people actually take the time to write in. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not particularly long. It's not like we get paragraphs. And yeah, paragraphs. but still, I mean, you know, fuck, our parents don't even do that. You know what I mean? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I don't even. I haven't talked to my parents in years. Actually, I don't <laughs> um, our parents. Oh, sure. Uh, Star Trek 3 news. Uh, so here's the thing. I hate, with a, with a passion, to give Badass Digest any sort of credibility. It, it really burns my soul to, to say that anything Devin Faraci says was remotely true. But he did mention that uh, there was problems with the script and they were probably going to junk it. And boy, did they ever! Not only did they junk it, but they completely just ditched the whole fucking writing team. Aaron, uh, yeah. who, is, who is the new writing team for for Star Trek Three? Uh, Doug Jung and one Mister Simon Goddamn Peg. That's that's crazy to me that they're putting Simon Peg. Not that it's I bad. Love it. it's not, oh my Simon god, Simon Peg is yeah, Peg is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of people do not realize this because. Uh, he has obviously his hands were all up in spaced and the Cornetto trilogy and uh, so so the guy does does some writing here here and again. Um, does he got yeah. other writing credits to his name other than other than Cornetto and and like spaced or anything like that? He does, but you know nothing anybody listening to this would would have likely have seen. <laughs> I see. Uh, what what do you think of it, man? What do you what do you what do you think of the the co writer too as well? Oh, Doug, he's a bad robot guy. He's he's like almost an in-house writer for them. He co-created uh, Dark Blue was the uh, like a gritty cop drama. So, you know, he's definitely in the wheelhouse. Apparently he's done some punch up, punches up on other scripts for there. So, you know, I think he's he's a bad robot guy. So as far as keeping J.J.'s scope and his influence on the movie, I think that's there. And bringing Simon Pegg up, I mean, that's just, I mean, my God, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, what do, you, what do you think of this? Is this... Uh... How, how do you feel this bodes for for Star Trek with Simon Pegg writing? Uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting that it's in a way you can make the argument they're going back to not necessarily their roots, but pretty damn close to it with having a cast member be a part of the creative process. Uh, that is true. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean we all know he's well accomplished in his writing and. He is a huge Star Trek fan, so lifelong devoted yeah. Trekkie. This guy is, yeah. So it, it, it's in more than appropriate hands. Yeah, I'm sure him and Carl Urban are gonna have a little little get-togethers on how they would like to see this go down. I would, I would even note if, for the even if Justin Lin is directing. <laughs> <laughs> I would note for the sake of trivia that out of the twelve Star Trek movies, five of them have been directed by cast members. Uh, Leonard Nimoy directed two, Shatner directed one, and uh, Jonathan Frakes directed two of the uh, the next gen movies. Which one did Shatner direct? Uh, which one do you think, sir? Four. Oh, six. Nope. No. No. Nope. Five. Sh- Shatner directed five. Yes, the uh, mm-hmm. the one with the the, uh, god. the, the gas god. god. Yeah, the yeah. shitty one. Yeah. Oh. Uh, N- Nicholas Meyer directed the two best original series movies, Wrath of Khan and uh, and Star Trek Six. So. 
yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, and Frakes directed the one good TNG movie and uh, the one not so good but not the worst <laughs> TNG is, movie. Is either one of those First Contact? Uh, one of them is First Contact, yeah. Okay. Frakes directed that one. <laughs> um, so here's the thing with me and Simon Pegg, too. I like it a lot because uh, I, I, I think the, the thing I, I've seen quite a bit is that people kind of broadly look at maybe the Cornetto movies as straight up comedies and they i think they are comedies first and foremost but uh obviously there's a lot of action in those movies and there's and, a lot of character and heart in those movies too and i think all simon Pegg really has to do is just play with the levels a little bit to get him right for star trek like a a little less comedy a little more action a little more you know heart and character um and just play with the levels like like i think he's already got the tools to make a good star trek movie in his brain so uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty excited for this now. I was a little less excited with the Justin Lin announcement, uh, and I'm still not exactly sure. At least sure we know the I ships feel. will be really fast. Oh, absolutely, and very furious as well. Indeed, sir. Yeah, and they'll have NOS. <laughs> they'll have NOS. <laughs> they'll have little NOS. There'll be like a little NOS button on the on the captain's chair. Too soon. <laughs> oh, God. I, I really hope we get Vin Diesel in this movie. Uh, I would, he could be a... He could be a Klingon, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah that works. Jesus. I'm sure he's a big Trekkie. I mean, the dude like lives in Dungeons and Dragons, so sure. Yeah. Uh, Paul Walker could be a Force Ghost too. Oh, oh, that, that's man, a different too franchise. Soon. That's a different oh, franchise. Maybe mind. Hayden Christensen could play him though. <laughs> They're not going to have Paul Walker as a Force Ghost in Star Trek. I apologize to Star Trek fans that he would that would have to be in the Star Wars movie. I apologize. Paul Walker, the forty-year-old who looks like he's twenty-three. That's right. Well, but, uh, but he died, didn't he? He did, yeah. 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 Right, he probably still looks like the same guy. Oh, shit, Glenn. Uh, so, bad news for the Suicide Squad, Aaron. Uh, Tom Hardy pulled out uh, of the film, <laughs> and then Yak uh, Yulenhol also pulled out of the film as well. Uh, yeah. So, what's, what, what, what happened here with Yak? I have no idea. Uh, it, apparently, it's boiling down that rumors are is that the, the role isn't too meaty. And uh, the leading actors that are approaching this don't feel the material is befitting their time is what it's coming down to pretty much. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we're talking about fucking Jake Gyllenhaal, in case people are wondering. Yulenhaal. Yak, yak Yulenhaal. <laughs> Whoa. Yulenhaal. Yulenhaal. Okay. Ever since Prince of Persia, he's kind of strayed away from those types of movies. So I'm not surprised he said no. Considering Glenn has no idea. Well, what the fuck else is he doing? You know what I mean? Glenn has well, no he's been do- he's been doing these smaller, you know, critically acclaimed movies. That's what he's been doing. He's kind oh, of oh yeah, that Nightcrawler one, huh? Nightcrawler, End of Watch. Yeah. So he's been doing those types of movies, probably just waiting for the right one to come around. And um, I guess this isn't a movie he wanted to bring himself back with. He probably wanted no, he, a safer he, bet. He's holding out for you know for one of the big ones coming out. I'm telling you, man, he would be amazing as Iron Fist as Danny Rand. Uh, Glenn, uh, by the way, Glenn has accidentally tripped on a very premature segue, uh, that will happen later by mentioning <laughs> Prince of Persia. So oh, oh, I love that. It's an incredibly early segue, uh, <laughs> that we will get to a little bit later. Speaking of Glenn, Glenn, you, uh, you've got a blog up dude on the website for, uh, you, you discussing the, the best picture candidates with a, a very fine Photoshop chop of your head, your head on an Oscar, uh, done by a master, presumably, of yeah. uh, of, of digital design. Uh, what what's the uh, what's the blog about for people interested in checking it out uh, more specifically? So, oh uh, well, there's eight movies this year nominated for best picture. So 
for the most part, it's just a kind of the. I think I even say it's part one. So it's kind of split in half the the first four that I've seen and just kind of brief commentary on them as far as like what's going for them, what's not going for them, uh, and, and that kind of stuff as far as what they have, you know, pros and cons of each. Just a you know quick little read through on each one, uh, which it covers: American Sniper, Grand Budapest, uh, Boyhood, and mm-hmm. Birdman. So. There you go. And the second part will be arriving eventually. Yeah, whenever I get to see all of them. So Before the Oscars, hopefully. Oh, yeah, because I don't... What, Oscars are in, like, what, four weeks? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll make it. Um, Quentin Tarantino announced that he started shooting The Hateful Eight and concluded the, uh, the cast listing as well uh, for the movie. I had actually no idea this movie was still happening. Last time I heard Aaron, it was... He was not doing it, because, like, the script had leaked... Or something like that, I remember hearing. And uh, I he did not have any desire to do it. And I guess he is in the midst of doing it now. It's Channing Tatum is in the starring role. Uh, what, what's what's he going to be better in, this or uh, Gambit? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't hate the guy's movies. You know, I, I love Channing Tatum's movies. I'll say it. Every one of his movies I've seen, I've enjoyed. He's just not right for Gambit, but I mean, I think given the surrounding cast, he could do very well in Hateful Eight. Yeah, I, I'm... And, it, and it's with Tarantino too. Like, you know, what the fuck is with this guy? Like, we we get it. He was pissed that the script leaked, but everybody was blown about how great it was. I mean, so what? You know, what's a, just make the goddamn movie? I know another Tarantino. Yeah, spaghetti. He's just so sensitive, this guy. What What do you think, Glenn? Are you looking forward to Hateful Eight? Just uh, so brave. Sure, I guess. <laughs> what a ringing endorsement. Uh, I mean, I'm not the biggest Tarantino fan, so it, I mean, sure. I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure it'll have a timeline that is fragmented. So, uh, lots of yeah. cartoony blood and violence. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, I don't mind it. I just, yeah, we don't we don't want to have that discussion now. Samuel L. Jackson, of course. Um, so uh, there's also, uh, and th- this is why this did not get a specific article because there's just the rumor going around right now from Fox that there co- that there could be a live uh, a live action X Men television show. Uh, apparently, they're quote unquote having a preliminary conversations about adapting the comics to- for TV, uh, and I guess the talks involved twenty four producers, Evan Katz and Manny Cotto. Uh, I really like Manny Cotto, by the way. Uh, and writers Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne, who, according to the Hollywood Reporter, will be penning the script. Aaron, how do you uh, how do you feel about uh, them further expanding the uh, the X Men verse? Well, it's interesting because Marvel owns the TV rights for X Men. Really? So what this could mean is that there might be you know forth- a forthcoming working relationship with Fox and Marvel. I mean, you know, sure. if they're you know, it, it, it's leaking that this thing's, you know, going to be on the fast track and it's looking like, you know, it, it should happen. So there's got to be a working deal in place to where if Marvel's allowing this, you know, maybe they get to use someone from X-Men, you know, for a couple of their projects. So it's, uh, oh, it, it, it's exciting. I'm on pins and needles here. Just just waiting to, to find out what's what's going to go, what's going to turn out from this. Uh, Glenn, a lot of Fox talk lately with uh, especially involving shows of the letter X in the title. Uh, first X Files last week, and now X Men. Uh, are are you at all interested in in a show? Or are you just like uh, enough with the comic book TV shows? We're, we're no, I mean I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, a, a group like X Men makes a whole lot of sense to have a TV show around it since right. you're gonna have uh, t- 
ton of characters. So mm-hmm. if they do it Lost style as far as an ensemble, um, I could see it being pretty good. Right. I, I'm there with you. I'm on the fence. Well, it's a wait and see. Um, I, I would have just been happy if they just did reruns of the cartoon show from when I was a kid. That's right. Uh, just, you, for, just for that, I think I'm going to put that at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, I love that. Uh, the rock version of the X-Men theme. Uh, Aaron, break out your TARDIS sound effects. David Tennant is joining the Marvel <laughs> TV-verse. Uh, so what is, uh, what is the, uh, what is the good doctor doing, uh, with, uh, with Marvel, sir? He's going to be the purple man in Marvel's AKA Jessica Jones. Okay. So, um, the villain, presumably. Yes. Um, he is the villain. Now here, here's the thing. Just so DC fans know that I'm fair and balanced. Uh, the purple man, Kilgrave, the purple man is a ridiculously stupid name for a character. So all the people who are mad that I was, But but he's purple. (laughs) <laughs> sure, sure. But the fact I was Glenn and I spent a lot of time bitching about all the names of the villains on the Flash uh, <laughs> and their ridiculousness. Here you go, everybody. I'm throwing you a bone. The Purple Man is a stupid name. Now tell me all about the Purple Man, Aaron. <laughs> he's actually kind of cool. I mean, depending on you know how you read, like sometimes you know he's been able just to kind of. Uh, He's a very charismatic character. He, you know, he's a villain, but he's one you kind of root for just because he is so he's so charismatic. He kind of he secretes a pheromone where he can control people like in his immediate vicinity. Like as long as he's around them, he can make them do whatever the fuck he wants. And you know, because he's such a charming guy, he uses this to his great advantage to just get laid. Yeah, bang anything. I mean, you know, he's also got like an accelerated healing factor. I mean, so it's it, it is a, a cool comic book character, and you know, he's not really that much of a fighter, which you know, this fits David Tennant perfectly. Because I mean, you know, yeah. he, you're, you, if David Tennant comes to square up on you, you know, you, you're not really going to be afraid of him. And uh, I, uh, but, but as someone who could mentally control you and fuck with you like that, yeah, he is perfect for this role. Yeah, I, I love David Tennant, and I think yeah. uh, putting him in a comic book. I mean, he 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 can chew up some scenery if if you want him to. Fuck uh, yes, he can, dude. Man, can he chew? I mean, you just uh, watch him in the fucking uh, the Harry Potter movie, uh, yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban. Four. He uh, he chews up shit like crazy. Yeah, he's awesome. No Goblet uh, of Fire. Was that Goblet of Fire he was in? No, oh, that's yep. right. He was in Goblet of Fire. Um, he still chews up shit. It's the only good thing about that fucking movie. Uh, yeah, he, but yeah, <laughs> it, just he was turned really hard too, and he was awesome. Also, with, with the Fright Night remake, you know, it, uh, pretty much a fucking god awful movie. But he was great in it. Uh, have you watched Broadchurch? I believe that's the show that he's on now. Is that good? I, I haven't seen, seen the yet. second season. Oh yeah, it it's fucking incredible. It's skip the American one. I mean, I love him, but his American just go to Broad go to Broadchurch. Uh, <laughs> did did either of you guys watch the Arrow Jedi video? Yep. <laughs> Glenn, did you see this? No, he did not. Glenn, your mic is on mute. Um, what, what, Aaron, what did you think of this, man? I thought we need to see more episodes of Arrow done like this. I hope this guy goes through and, and does every episode possible, like for this, like, you know, with uh, Jedi Arrows. I mean, I, I want to see the whole shit. Like, it, it was amazing. Like, I, I've watched it three times. I'll probably watch it another two before I go to bed. So I, 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 I can't get enough of it. Did you catch the Did you catch the beat where he aligned a, a specific beat in the music oh. to align with a, a a pec flex? Yeah, from Oliver Queen. Holy shit, yeah. it was awesome. Glenn, are you are you back, sir? 
Yeah, I'm back. Okay, I, did I didn't you... realize it was on mute. Oh, did, <laughs> did you did you watch this video? No, no, I didn't. So you you were correct, and I was muted and had not seen it. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, ba- basically, some awesome guy on YouTube took the uh, the, uh, the climb. Yeah, the climb episode, uh, the Rachel Ghoul Oliver Queen fight, and uh, the fight before it as well, where Rachel Ghoul is fighting off a bunch of his. Uh, goons and then he kills one of them uh, and basically turns it into an episode of Star Wars and replaces all of the swords with lightsabers and uh, Star Wars Dave Jones on YouTube thing. everybody Dave yeah. Jones yeah it's on, it's on the website as well people can go check it out yeah it's really good it's really fucking awesome <laughs> at the end uh, when Raish kicks him off the, the mountain the fucking Millennium Falcon swoops in and saves him yeah <laughs> awesome. he, did, he did the whole credits crawl I mean he did everything like this guy you know He's very faithful to uh, to both uh, properties. Yeah, it's uh, it's episode CCCIX. <laughs> I love the training scene. It's just nothing but lightsabers and pitch black. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> awesome. Just uh, if you if you're not at the website, if you're on YouTube already, just search for Arrow Jedi, and uh, you'll find it. It, it. it was awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Shall we? Uh, shall we dip into the mail bog? Oh, we shall, sir. Uh, do Do you want me to to? Because we have uh, we've got four we've got four items of conversation and uh, and one small bit of praise. Should we do the bit of praise first? Okay, oh, I just did it in the order I received it. Sure. Okay. Uh, the the bit of the bit of phrase is from new Cinema Geekly Premium Guy Chad Bowes that I mentioned earlier. Uh, said, listen to your free Who Made Who episode, and I sunk in my $12 right there. We're supporting, and I highly recommend others do the same if you've got the spare cash. All right. Thanks. So, boom! I am sure you'll enjoy the other Who Made Who episodes, and probably, um, I don't know, some of the other crap we do on there. Uh, I'm sure I, I would go all... listen to, to the Hot Guy Off uh, episode <laughs> instantly. That's true. Yeah. All but one of those, I'm sure, is enjoyable. Oh, yeah, the Brett Ratner episode. Um, yeah. Okay, let, let's not do any more of his fucking movies. Jesus, man. <laughs> Boy, that it, I felt like I got when we got done with that show, I felt like I had just got done seeing the first nine minutes of Up on a loop. It was just so bummed. <laughs> they can't all be winners, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. So, Aaron, did you uh, – have you looked at the uh, – because I was looking at the deeper, because we picked up a lot of likes on Facebook over the last few weeks, and there is a part uh, on the insights or whatever where they're showing you like what states and territories you're getting people from. Uh-huh. One thing I noticed is that we got a lot of people from Georgia for some reason. Interesting. Yes, it gave me like a specific number. It was like ten or fifteen specifically from Georgia. Huh. Um, First question is from uh, a fella named Caleb in Marietta, which I am guessing is Georgia. That's the only thing that I'm aware of. <laughs> uh, he says, saw your ad and checked out the page, not knowing what to think. That's always a bad start. I listened to episode 96 of the podcast. Uh, no, this is good. He says, listen to episode 96 of the podcast. I think I might be a lifer. Really enjoyed the laid back attitude. On to the question. I have seen this term thrown around a lot, and I wanted to know what you consider, quote, Oscar bait to mean. And is it a negative or a positive term? <laughs> uh, Glenn, I'll go with you, because I know what Aaron's going to say. <laughs> uh, it just kind of depends. If you if you make a movie that is going to be something about race, 
Something about a struggling woman and or man. No makeup. No makeup. Uh, no makeup. So and lose a lot you, of weight or put a lot on. And you plan on releasing it in between the months of November and December. <laughs> then yes, that is Oscar bait. Now, if you're kind of ballsy and you make a movie and release it in like March and in July, like Boyhood and Grand Budapest, then I wouldn't consider you making it for Oscar reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, so do you think the term is is a positive or a negative term? Like, do, does, if it's a negative term, does that mean the movies are bad? Or what, what do you think? I think it's more so if you're only making a movie because you're not necessarily doing it for the sake of art, you're doing it for the sake of recognition, then right. yes, it's a bad thing. Right. I mean, it's just like Michael Bay making a movie about robots who fight each other, and there's nothing, nothing there. And the robots who fight each other, it's just stock footage from your other movies about robots fighting each other. That's also a bad reason to make a movie. So, yeah. But it's still robots fighting each other. Yeah, but I also, <laughs> like, when you can see that there's stock footage from your other previous films, that's pretty sad. Um, go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's negative as the day is long, man. Okay, well, what do you what do you well, uh, just for all the reasons, you know, Glenn just read it off, you know. The studios know what they're doing. They know you know, out of the handful of factors they have to hit, they try to get at least 3, you know, out of the 5 big ones just to start luring them in and you know, essentially like, you know, you have to have someone go through like someone has to look like shit in the movie at some point, like, you know, where they lose a bunch of weight, you know, like I said, they don't wear makeup, you know, the lighting's all fucked. I mean, you know, they have one leg Whatever kind of wacky bullshit they're gonna pull, they're gonna do. Yeah, it, and I think it's negative as balls. Um, oh, but Not you, that balls themselves are negative, but you you, you know what I'm getting at. But ha- have you seen movies that people would consider Oscar no, bait? No, I don't even fucking see most of these piles of shit. Because I think some people would say that like Grand Budapest is Oscar bait. Or I would I would not call Grand Budapest. Well, it's different because Wes Anderson just makes those types. He has a track record of that's his thing. Right, right. Those just happen. It's not Rennie Harlan coming out like and doing Grand Budapest. You know what I mean? It's out of nowhere. Because I I seen like uh, for example like the King's Speech. I think people called Oscar bait, but maybe it was. But I liked it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I I did see that one. Well, yeah. I mean that that's Oscar bait. I mean the (laughs) artist is Oscar bait. It's also really good. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's just, uh, I think that's what term, you're going for. Right. I think the term in general is negative. It's hard to know exactly what somebody's going for, but I think Glenn nailed it. Like if you hit like the certain buttons and you hit the certain release window, it certainly so feels like <laughs> certainly that's what should, you're going for. Yeah. Right. They should really change the name of wild to so brave. So brave. I mean, but it's just like making a movie in the summertime. Like you're only making it to make money. Like that's, I mean, it, it's both sides. You're either doing it for recognition or you're doing it for big bucks. Uh, neither of those are probably good thing. You're doing it with greed and pride. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's there's arguments for both sides. Or you could just make a blockbuster that's also really good, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like there's you can do it. Just like these. Oscar movies can be good, but not do it. And and also, like, with Oscar bait, it's, like, most of them aren't, like, those indie films that go through, like, that's, like, something like Boyhood and Birdman is good. I mean, yes, Birdman is, bought, is backed by Fox Searchlight, but it also went through the film festivals. Like, that's how it got its recognition, same as Boyhood. 
Whereas you get movie like The Imitation Game, which is made by a straight up studio, right? Or like American Sniper, which is a pretty decent sized production picture, and just happens to release it around a certain time, or such as My Selma. Boyhood is Oscar bait. Are you? Well, but but the thing we're, is, we're it, gonna do one scene over the course of the next forty years because we're just lazy and we don't want to work all that much. <laughs> it certainly does feel you're, like so. You're working for forty years on one project, like, yeah. But um, like, but like a day a year. It's like you know they're like in the fucking National Guard, man. Yeah, you know but mean? think about having to edit that movie. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, editing. He's is got a whole year it. to edit it before fucking. You know what I mean? Yeah. You uh, so you're telling me that, so having to do a whole year of editing to make sure it makes sense isn't hard work. I, I, I think it's, it's Oscar bait. Well, here's the thing. I but, think... it, but it wasn't just made to be like an Oscar movie. Like, yes, it was. Linklater has done these kinds of things and they've all been independent and they go through the film circuit, like going through the, and the they don't film get circuit, awards either. Yeah. yeah it, that's a, that's well, a very different thing than like a studio being like going to the MPAA when a movie should be rated R and being like, Hey, uh, here are my, this is the notes we have for your movie. Uh, this is how you get it down to PG 13. Uh, this is what we're, and then like the Academy voters being mostly studio heads who are voting for their own movies, uh, to be in the Oscars. Like that's sort of the thing's flawed. It's who makes up and is voting these things. It comes from the same studios that are making the blockbusters. It's just, you can get away a lot easier by nominating something like the invitation game than nominating something like guardians of the galaxy. It's just a matter of preference. Okay. So, um, this next guy has a story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh okay um and uh apparently he likes it when the show goes off topic so oh you didn't like them buddy does this show go off topic ever i don't know Sometimes. um evan in somerville massachusetts it's, it's, was it tiny lister's lazy eye <laughs> i don't think it's tommy tommy lister tiny lister uh he said found you awkwardly enough through instagram i don't use instagram but my wife does she Nobody was, else uses our Instagram either, man. Don't feel bad. <laughs> she was. Uh, we're up to eighty-six. Hey, get out of Texas. Yeah. Oh, wait, that was a. Pro- hey, what? Say that. <laughs> say that again. We are up to eighty-six. Oh, tiny Lister's lazy eye. <laughs> there we go. See that? You're working it in. Says says she was she was perusing pictures, left her phone on the table, and this image of Ron Swanson in a Starfleet uniform caught my eye. <laughs> and so I further explored your account, which led me to the site, which led me to the podcast, which is leading me to this email in which I tell you how much I love your show. Uh, nice. So awesome, sir. Uh, he says, since I like it when the show goes off topic, how about your favorite non-comic book? So holy shit. Glenn, do you have a favorite book that is not a comic book? Uh, I presume uh, graphic novel, all anything with anything with a lot of pictures in it is out. Uh, I mean, I I re- I can't remember his name. The guy who wrote "Thank You for Smoking," and Stephen then there's King. A, no, no, I do like Stephen King. the The book "The Cell" is pretty interesting. Uh, uh, probably my favorite book is "Boomsday," which is by the same guy who did "Thank You for Smoking." Capote. It's about killing off the baby boomers when they start hitting retirement age as to save the government money. Um, wow. It's pretty funny. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably my favorite book. I've read it a couple of times. Not War and Peace. Uh, Aaron, do you, do you read anything that is not a comic book? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but favorite book, it, it, it's kind of a toss-up, man. Uh, I, I read a lot, actually. It's pretty much all I do. Uh 
besides watch a lot of comic book movies, I you know play video games. Um, I the Harry Potter franchise, man, just for me is just you know Fair that or that or the Hobbit. I mean that that's it. Those are the ones I read back to back, back to back, back to back. Um, my I tried Game of Thrones, but. It's, fuck, dude. Have you ever tried reading those goddamn books? Oh my gosh, yes. They are very, very long and tedious. The first 50 pages, there's 9,000 people. They all have six different fucking names. They're all from 3,000 different locations. It, dude, it's fucking too much, man. Like, the show is far superior, in my opinion. And anyone who tries telling me otherwise can just lick me where I shit. Because <laughs> I can actually see the sword fighting and the, all, like, the monstrous, like, wall and shit. I can't imagine. It's hard to picture a fucking wall, <laughs> let alone the, the troop of 9,000 people who they tell you each one of these motherfuckers. It, it's enough, man. It, I, yeah. mm. Um. So. Can we I'm, go off topic really quick? Fucking Tiny Lister's lazy eye. I think we're already off topic, Glenn. Well, even more so. Can we talk about the wide range of noises Aaron just made in that set, in his paragraph? He's like, very. <laughs> okay. I, it sounded like a ghost took over your mic, and it was white noise for a second. Like I was waiting for you to tell me that I had chapstick in my hand. It got that bad. Oh, his. Uh, Do you have chapstick in your hand right now? No, no, I don't. Oh. His 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 sig- his signal. <laughs> but I'd fuck me. His signal degraded momentarily, but it's back now. No, um, my my brain was melting. That day. <laughs> this is good. This is going to shock a lot of people, but I have read books, and I do have a favorite book. Is um, it? A, I don't think a start like a. Well, Star you don't Trek, read comics, uh, so an- ancillary. Novel. No, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I don't really read ever. Uh, this is my favorite book. It's also the last book I read, uh, and I also read it mm, three, four, five years ago. Uh, so, <laughs> but I do like it. I, I, I've read. I've read it a couple of times. It is actually a baseball book, Mister Glenn uh, Beauvoir. It's a. Uh, it's so called. Long. It's. I'm. I'm trying. Uh, Bert. There we go. It's it, it's called uh, the final season by by Tom Stanton. It's about the final season at uh, Tiger Stadium, which is actually a really shitty season. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> you'd be surprised to learn uh, the season itself. But that's not really what the book is about. It's it's kind of chronicling. His, it's like a there. He's kind of side tailing because he was a uh, he was kind of just getting into the business of sports writing for the Tigers. So he was chronicling all the games, but he was also. Uh, kind of telling this side story about uh, growing up where he did and, uh, uh, you know, his father and going to the ballpark and, like, his father's father and, you know, basically their family kind of grew up around going to Tigers baseball games. So it's, uh, you know, like the tearing down of, like, a second home kind of for them. And uh, it was basically chronicling the entire season while at the same time sort of chronicling his uh, the story of of growing up in the area with his father and stuff, and it was it was a really 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 good book, and and it, and it helps that the final game of the season was a very positive note uh, for the team. I believe the final hit in Tiger Stadium was uh, a grand slam that hit the roof that <laughs> was hit by the Tigers. Uh, so it, and and we won the game surprisingly enough. Uh, but no, it's it's well, actually it'd be a, it'd be a real pisser. They lost the game after that. Oh no shit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they went. They come. They go back to blow it. <laughs> right. Uh, that would have been typical at the time, but uh, or it might be typical now too. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. it's a it's a really it's a really good book, and it's probably way under the radar for most people. But I'm sure if you go searching for it, I'm sure Amazon's probably got a copy. Have you not read the Harry books. Potter books? I actually have read most of them. I, I read them. Have you read daughter. the UK versions? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Is there? I, a big I, I prefer those. Yeah, I I, I like them better. 
I know like one was ended up being called the Philosopher's Stone or That's something. That's the British one. Yeah, I did not. I read the, the Sorcerer's Stone instead. Uh, sorcerer sounds cooler than philosopher. Why would a philosopher be evil? <laughs> Philosophers are not Well, evil. if that's about alchemy. Yeah, 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 I know. Which is bullshit. <laughs> Having watched that weird movie, As Above, So Below. There you go. Um, what was that one about? Uh, that was the Catacombs of Paris that oh, lead into hell. Oh, fuck, yeah. that's right. Okay, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, so we've got... Jesus. I, we see a lot of shitty movies as a group. We do. <laughs> I mean, just just from finding out like how many bad movies Glenn's been on first dates to, or how many eye opening, how many movies you guys hate that I own. Can we can right. we do a can we do a side B where it's just us talking about like movies we've gone on dates with and how like how generally bad they are? Uh, I went. Oh down- yeah, I have a fantastic story about taking a girl to see Pulp Fiction. Oh, well, that is definitely our next side B then. <laughs> uh, so we got Stephen from Lansing, Michigan, and it's a two-parter. And wow, that is Dave. What's up? That's yeah, my neck of the woods, local. Um, yeah, so this is a two-parter, and I had to go answer the first part beforehand because otherwise we would have been ta- well. I didn't answer it directly, but I had to go get the answer directly uh, because otherwise we would have been sitting here uh, twiddling our thumbs while we try to look it up because I doubt anybody had this information offhand. Uh, he <laughs> he says I want to talk about video game movies. Oh, he says I know they have all been pretty terrible, but I have high <laughs> hopes for the future. Uh, do you guys know what is the best performing video game film of all time? So that's part one. And I do have the answer now. What like box office? Are we? Yeah. So here it is. If it's box office, uh, afterlife thing, it's gotta uh, be Mario brothers. Leguizamo was awesome. It's not the, uh, the top grossing, uh, the top grossing video game film of all time is Prince of Persia. The sands of time. Oh, with you and hole 335 million. Jesus! Wow. Okay. Uh, what? What? When were you referring to? That's almost half a billion dollars just for his abs, man. That, that's the whole reason that anybody saw that movie. Glenn, what game? What movie were you? Oh, I well, I was gonna assume it was one of the Resident Evil, and then as soon as I said that, I realized there was also two Tomb Raider movies, mm-hmm. and then you said Prince of Persia. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's it. In, in <laughs> Doom, starring The Rock and Carl Urban. The, five, motherfucker. The highest rated, uh, <laughs> according to Rotten Tomatoes. Is not even a live action movie. I don't even know how much of a theater run this had, but it, apparently it did have a. Is theat- it the Street Fighter Two cartoon? Hmm. Is it the Street Fighter Two cartoon? No. Uh, it is. It is uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, which was released in two thousand one, and it holds a staggering forty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, now, wow. if you want a live action video game movie. That, again, is in the hands of Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, with a staggering 36%. Uh, in case people are wondering what the lowest rated of all time is, that would be the UA Bull film Alone in the Dark, which has a, a just a mind-blowing 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Fuck, man. 1%? And also, say that to UA Bull's face and see how you fare. <laughs> um... I should also note for the sake of trivia that the first video game movie was, in fact, made in 1993. That was a Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, Aaron. Oh, man, yeah. It was a festering pile of shit. And it made, it was, uh, it made $20 million, so It yeah. was terrible. It was uh, Dennis Hopper it was King Koopa, man. Oh. By the way, I, I think <sighs> Resident Evil Afterlife is the second highest grossing uh, 
video game film, it did two hundred ninety six million. How did that movie do two hundred ninety six million dollars? Well, there's an easy explanation to it. Sure, okay. It's called they promoted the shit out of three D for that movie. Oh, I guess so when you raise so- those ticket prices, it's pretty easy to be number one at the box office. Avatar. Do you guys have a favorite? This is not his question, but do you guys have a favorite video game movie? Uh, no. I. I mean, I would say default, the first Resident Evil, but I'm not going to say favorite. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, I enjoy Doom because it is so bad, and just The Rock is... It is really I, he, terrible. He hasn't, he hasn't fully become, like, The Rock I love. It's more of, like... Or, like, The lo- the Rock I love and respect. It's more like The Love I Rock but Don't Respect. Right. The Rock I Love. Yeah, yeah, I said that right. Uh, so, the second part of his cl- <laughs> so the second part of his question is... Um, because he did say he was feeling, uh, he did feel like he was having high hopes for the future. Uh, he says between Uncharted, Assassin's Creed, Last of Us, and Mass Effect, which uh, movie has the best? Which property has the best chance to succeed, <laughs> Glenn? <laughs> okay, considering I think Last of Us is pretty feasible to do, mm-hmm. and if you just made a carbon copy, like uh, that would probably be the best one. Right. I feel like Mass Effect would be tricky because of space. Um, I would love for Uncharted to be good because it's already been done. It's called Indiana Jones, so it, it it's possible. Um, I just I always see pictures of the Bioshock movie that could have been, and man, that just uh, it would have it would have been so pretty. Um, do you, anything about uh, Assassin's Creed? Do you think that that stands a chance? Uh, I mean, Fastbender is cool, but I don't. I mean. I've never, I think I've played a demo of mm-hmm. one of those games, so. Well, it's not really about the game. I think it'd be more about the story. I think the story really has a chance. The backstory to that, to that game series is really good. And yeah, Michael Fassbender, I think Assassin's Creed is going to be a monstrous moneymaker. I mean, if, if it's, the script is just half worth the shit, you know, give Fassbender anything to work with. And I think they got something going. Uh, I will say, though. Uh, one of the writers for Tower Heist is working on this script. Yeah, things speaking <laughs> so of so we Rat- know who the director's gonna be. Speaking no, of uh, Brad Ratner, he, he's he's uh, he's like a he hasn't really done too much. Right, right. Um, oh, and the other guy writing it is his writing partner who also worked on Tower Heist. So uh, okay, okay, never mind. Assassin's Creed might suck balls. Um, oh, okay. what a shame. So here's here's where I'm sitting on this because I have played. All of these games. Um, Mass Effect. Here's the thing with Mass Effect. I don't want to comment too much on Mass Effect because it seems like that's in limbo right now. I have not heard much about this other than they want to do it, uh, but they're not sure about how to capture because it's a very gargantuan scope yeah. and there's a lot of it's shit like to Halo. cover. Yeah. Like, the, I, I don't know if they know where to begin. Uh, the Last of Us, I also don't know that much about. We know that. Um, that Neil Druckmann is supposed to be writing the film, and Sam Raimi is apparently on board to produce. Uh, and then we also know that they talked about Maisie Williams possibly being in the movie, but there is not any talk of it other than that. Like, uh, they're not even there's not even like a scheduled release window for that movie yet, as far as I know. Um, like Mass Effect, I think it's listed as like a 2018 or 2019 release. So we're talking way <laughs> off. We're talking a few years still. 
Um, it's like Avengers Infinity Wars territory right there. With uh, with Assassin's Creed, they've got this guy named uh, Justin Kurzel is directing it, I guess. Yep. He did uh, he did Snowtown in 2011, which uh, won some you know indie awards or was nominated or something. Um, uh, he did a, I guess he's doing this thing. He's doing this this Macbeth film, I guess. That's coming out. Uh, I want to say this year. This year's 2015, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, he's doing. I mean, Ma- so far, it is. He's doing. He's doing. Uh, he's directing Macbeth with Fassbender as Macbeth and uh, Marion Cotillard as Lady Macbeth. Oh, oh. damn. Um, so that is what. Good. So that is what he is up to, and the word on the Assassin's Creed. Oh, film. dude. So did you guys know you can see Affleck's dick in Gone Girl? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I heard about that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Why was that not talked about? Like in, in any of the buildup for this is, movie? Is this just because we're talking about Michael Fassbender, right? Kind now? of. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it got the brain rolling. I, 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 it, I literally was like, he hung dong, and I was like, Affleck's like, oh shit, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you saw Gone Girl as well? No, I, I just saw the gift oh. of his dick. Oh yeah, no, it's it's there, <laughs> and people say like, I didn't see anything. How did you not see something? No, it, it's there. It is. It's definitely fucking present. Um, so as it's related to the uh, Assassin's Creed thing, uh, in 2014, I guess the uh, in August, uh, some of the story came out that I guess Fassbender is going to be playing both roles. He's going to be playing a, a Spanish assassin during the uh, Spanish Inquisition, <clears throat> the Spanish Inquisition, and he's also going to be playing his. Uh, you will not escape. The uh, he'll also be playing his modern day descendant as well. Apparently, I love that dude. I am all on board for this movie. If just the fucking writing team was, oh god damn it. Um, so I'm. I don't know. I like that. I like Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender. The one I've got my highest hopes for though is Uncharted because I just love. Isn't that the one that Marky so Mark is, is still attached to? I don't think that he is. Really? Um, in fact, I think they're not even into the casting. They should have made this fucker right fifteen now. years ago with Nathan Fillion, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, here's the thing: I've got high hopes for it because the games themselves are so cinematic. Yeah, uh, I mean, probably more cinematic than they that they could ever get a budget to do. The games uh, are amazing. <laughs> they're they're hella fun games. But the uh, here's where here's where I've got at least some, uh, I guess, some optimism because I like. The people they've got in charge. Seth, they've got Seth Gordon as the director, who has not done a lot of um, he has not done a lot of feature films, but he's done some really great documentaries. He did the uh, the King of Kong documentary, which oh, I like that documentary. It was really good. Fistful of Quarters, yeah, that was his kind of breakout thing. He won the uh, the best Oscar for documentary in 2012 for Undefeated. Uh, and in 2013, he uh, did, uh, ident- his feature films are pretty bad though. <laughs> yeah. He did identity thief, which was his first, uh, Four Christmases yeah. and horrible bosses. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Horrible bosses has its moments. Some people it's even all, think it's funny. It's also I'm produced by Brett Ratner. I'm just throwing uh, that out but there. But produced. He didn't fucking direct produced. His money is in it. it his dirty, filthy fucking money is in it. But he does. He does, I think. Yeah, but I. I don't know. Part. Of, oh, and he did Freakonomics as well, which mm, people, which is mm. also a good book. I do really like that book. So here's the thing, because I. I feel like for these movies, it was sort of like his breaking into the move, like to the feature film. Like this is the shit they gave him breaking into feature films. <laughs> like when he di- directed five episodes of Breaking In. Ha <laughs> ha! Well played, sir. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's, like, it. there's like one person laughing, and it's Seth Gordon who's listening to this right now. What's up, Seth? Uh, and also writing the film, uh, doing the screenplay, is uh, a gentleman named Mark Bull who has quite the uh, the history. Is he related to UA at all? No, he is not. This is a B-O-A-L. He has quite the history of screenplays. Uh, he did a screenplay oh, for fuck. In the Valley of Elah. He did uh, The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, and he did the story for Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Damn. Uh, right. This one's in good hands. Yeah, I feel... I, I, I just saw the name and I did not recognize the name, and it's like screenplay and producer for The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. I'm like, holy shit. Okay, well, they've got a dude with some pedigree to write this movie. He's won uh, two Oscars out of writing four, three fucking movies. Jesus. Yeah, um, he's got some talent, apparently, and he's and he's handling my beloved Nathan Drake film. So, uh, oh, but his writing partner is the guy who did Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, A Sound <laughs> of Thunder, Sahara, and Conan the Barbarian. Maybe he's just and that guy's him. also gonna be writing. That guy's also doing uh, <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange. Oh shit! Maybe he's just tagging along. Maybe he's just tagging along to learn the ropes of how to really write shit. I'm terror. I'm terrified. <laughs> oh, now. okay. So I guess the, the guy who did Dylan Dog is doing Doctor Strange. That's terrifying. Uh, then the other oh, one is right. Man. Then the then the other one wrote. Is he the lead? Is he the lead writer? Yeah, I don't even does. want him. I don't even want him in the room sipping coffee, man. Oh, oh and it's Jesus. produced by Avi Arad. Oh God. Well, Charles Robin, he may be able to save it. Uh, no, I mean, if you're like these guys are the writers, so mm-hmm. probably what happened is they wrote the script, thought it was terrible, and then they hired this Mark Bowl guy to come through and clean to, it up to to essentially throw it all into to an incinerator. <laughs> oh, and then the other guys who are helping him do the screenplay are the ones who wrote the National Treasure movie. So, okay. Tiny Lister's lazy eye. <laughs> hey, the first one was mediocrely okay. It was serviceable. Uh, the second one was just absolutely ludicrous. Um, like, uh, serviceable is what they were going for. They should the, just the hand the script to this guy and be like, you do whatever you want. So that's hopefully what happened. Uh, final question here from our friend from across the pond, Generic Toff. <laughs> What was that? What was that, Aaron? I, I just had a feeling it was generic toft. I was ready. I was ready with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, he says, "I feel great." Well, actually, he spells "feel" wrong. It's he writes "fell" here. Yeah, so. You got to put the guy on front street like that. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, but he says, "I feel greatly." You can learn a lot about people, especially since he compliments us right here. I know, right? He's kissing our ass, and you're like, "Well, look at this dummy." He's spelled "feel" <laughs> wrong. What an idiot. You ever heard uh, Cumberbatch try to say the word penguin? Oh, yeah, penguins. Penguins. fucking hysterical. Uh, he says, I feel greatly that you can learn a lot about people by listening to them talk. Starting to feel like I know you, gents. Uh, but I feel more strongly that you can tell a lot about a person by what they listen to. Top three musical acts from each of you. Uh, he puts in parentheses here, Glenn, I hope you're not an American hipster. Uh, well, he's going to not like what I'm going to say. American hipster, Glenn Bove. That's how you should so, introduce yeah. yourself. American say, hipster who likes You're going to say, British... like, Modest Mouse, Good Charlotte, and uh, Fall Out Boy. Good, good Charlotte. Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> it's funny because the bands I'll probably name, I know one of them for a fact is from the UK. So. He, said, he said hipster. He said hipster, not emo kid. Good Charlotte. <laughs> Holy I do crap. love Modest Mouse. Which is better than Kid Rock, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, get fucked, man. Is uh, Modest, is Modest Mouse is, uh, so he's, what, what, what the fuck's the gimmick there? So he's not verbose? What is that? 
He's just he's just very uh he's very humble. What's what's the story there with what's I don't know what, what his problem is. Or is it just a stupid fucking hipster name? I think it's a term maybe he has a like a shy penis, so he just calls it a modest mouse. <laughs> okay. Uh Glenn, do you have a top three? No, I want to hear y'all's first. Oh really? Who who do you yeah. want I I can go first. My top three is Metallica uh, as weird yes. as weird as shit. No, um Ooh, let me think here. Probably Fuck, it's it's a weird top three. Uh, it's like a weird top ten, actually, if you want to expand it out. Uh, Metallica is not in my top three, Mr. Glenn Beauvoir. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, they would have been. They would have been like, uh, you know, maybe 15 years ago or something like that. But uh, no, uh, probably, I don't know, shit. I like, uh, I listen to a lot of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I listen to, uh, shit, let me see here. Uh, don't listen to as much music as you used to. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, probably like Jim Croce and uh, Dropkick Murphys, I think is probably what I listen to the most. So there you go. A weird top three. I listen to I listen to seventies soft rock and uh, and stoner groovy rock music and then Celtic punk music. So there you go. That's my that's that is my top three in no particular order. Uh, Aaron, I'm putting the spotlight on you, man. What weird shit do you listen to? Uh, I can give you a top five. I can't really do a three. Okay. Uh, but in no particular order. Uh, Sex Pistols, The Doors, The Who, Motley Crue, and Frank Sinatra. Holy shit, that is awesome. Oh, dude, we're going to have one person that's the same. <laughs> God, God damn, that's awesome. I, yeah, I want... I, I'm pretty eclectic, but I mean, that. Those are the five that are on everything uh, I can get my hands on to listen yeah. to music-wise. And nine times out of ten, that's all I'm listening to. I fucking love Sinatra as well. Yeah, uh, I, uh, well, we're just going to get that one out of the way. But yeah, Sinatra is... Uh, I had someone make the comment that you could have a playlist that was Sinatra and Dean Martin, and you'd probably have almost all the greatest songs ever written. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. not necessarily wrong. I mean, uh, instant panty melters too, man. Yeah, no, I, I mean Sinatra. I I love Sinatra. Um, probably Daft Punk. I, I especially their new album. More of more of the funk kind of stuff. Not so Those much. Those dudes wear the helmets, right? Yeah, helmet yeah. robots. It's from Trump, uh, right? Yeah, they did Tron. Yeah, right. From Tron, you remember well, Daft Punk from Tron? Well, right, I mean, but no, but they were in they were in that movie, right? Like they were like using the helmets, like in the club. That's like yeah. that joke from uh, from Superbad, where uh, who the fuck is it? It's it's Seth Rogen and who the shit was his other cop? Buddies? Bill Hader. Bill Hader, and they're talking to uh, they're talking to Mince Plus, who's in the 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 backseat of the car, or whatever, and they're doing Yoda or whatever, and, and uh, Hader's like, "You remember Yoda from Attack of the Clones?" Uh, uh, shit, I, I, I would show. defend my reference of Daft Punk from Tron being that most people would only recognize them as Daft Punk from Tron. They did do yeah, the I entire soundtrack. I mean, that was soundtrack. a big introduction, but their, right. their album that came out a year ago that won Album of the Year. It's like their music is perfect for like aliens and robots yeah. just to get knuckle deep to. Yeah, it was a sweet soundtrack too for Tron. I like yeah, it. Oh, I love it, man. Sucked, but... I did like you know, going what to a strip club you, and just demanding like the Tron 2 soundtrack. <laughs> you titty jiggling for days, and the remixes are also really good of those, like like by Glitch Mob, and uh, I think uh, Cascade does a pretty cool one. Uh, and then I would say like my it's probably like Small Pools that that is like hardcore indie, uh, hipster electrono uh, electronic uh soft rock, I guess is what it is. I've never heard of this group. Of yeah, well, yeah, they've only been around for like a year and a half, so. 
Okay. But I absolutely love them. Uh, like Magic Man is also of another band I really like. Uh, also, Queen. Never, Queen is awesome. Queen is, they are awesome. And I, I still have a soft spot for Def Leppard. Oh, yeah. you can't Elton John. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I forgot Hall & Oates. Hall & Oates is like... Holy my, they're, shit, they're, really? Hall yeah. & Oates is hands down my second favorite. I, they're outside of Elton John because he's Elton John. Like, Hall & Oates is like the best concert I've ever been to. Are we all kind of hipsters for liking music and artists that were well before our time? Uh, I, I, I will counter do? with Suck a Dick, sir. Motley Crue is my time. I need, the rest, I need, uh, possibly. I need but, some but again, sort dude, of... I've listened to this shit. I mean, you know, since Jumpman, you know, right, right, right. given my age, this is a, a couple of decades of this pretty much being all sure. I listen to. So I want, uh, I want Sinatra to do some Motley Crue covers. Come back from the grave and do some Motley Crue covers. That's what I. Did want. you ever hear uh, Paul Anka covering all those metal songs? No, I did not. I probably it's, it's, it's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's I, so good. I mean, if you expand, if you he expand, does Eye of the Tiger and like smells like Teen Spirit, it's fucking amazing. If you holy shit, if yeah, you if you expand my list out, there's you know a lot of shit people would probably expect. Metallic is in my top ten still. Um, I my entire my entire childhood and teenage like is before ninety seven or after ninety seven. Um, the first well, I mean the first time I ever really heard them heard them was obviously Load. the first time they got no 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 black album was the first time I ever <laughs> oh, I know heard them heard them. Uh, and uh, yeah, my my two first cassette tapes. Uh, where the Black Album and uh, and Justice for All were the first two metallic. Well, I think Facebook so. heard what we were talking about because now it says trending Dropkick Murphys. Look at that! <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! What do they What do they do? Uh, punk band tells Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker to stop <laughs> using our music in any way. Okay, oh, well, pro- probably because they have a shit ton of <laughs> probably because they have a shit ton of pro union songs. <laughs> is my guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The first tape I ever bought was Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood. Oh, that's so good. I know. Uh, what is the first one I ever bought? <laughs> Glenn's going to be like, the first thing I got was, uh, let me see here, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> no, it's not going to be. No, I, I don't know. Was it, it one of those like Pizza Hut tapes with like the, the ALF, <laughs> the ALF oh, records? God, that was uh, amazing. <laughs> no, no my, I think the first thing I ever bought was probably Blink-182. Holy oh shit, you hipster! <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Which which one? The one uh, the one with like damn it on it, and uh, is it no, the one with the, not, is it the one with the nurse ranch? With, oh, it's not the one with the nurse. Enema with the, of the state. I think it's that one. Ah, okay. Yeah, this is crazy. We just exposed ourselves to everybody. Now they know so much more about. Uh, look, uh, oh yeah, like like we could get any fucking dorkier to anybody I'm listening sure, to this show. I, right I know there's a podcast <laughs> that like y'all talk about the the freaking concert or the festival I was going to, and you're like. What is Congos? What is, this oh. is a hipster band. These are hipsters, aren't they? I'm like, yes, they are. I, I, yeah, yeah. There was an episode somewhere back there where Glenn lists all these band names, and they're <laughs> so hipstery. They are, but man, I just I love hipster music. I, Feathers of the Quail. I Rising don't Hope. Associate Tiny with Lister's them at all. Lazy Eye. Tiny Lister's Lazy Eye. Weeping Rainbows. Mm. Unicorn Farts. I mean, thank God none of us named Nirvana. Like, can we at least acknowledge that? Because Natalie terrible. Portman's shaved head. Uh, <laughs> actually, there's a real. There was a real pack. And then there could be a branch off band where you Natalie Portman shaved box. 
<laughs> but they only play the drums. <laughs> what's in the box, Aaron? Oh, it's like blue what's, what's in the box? Just tell me what's in She was so brave for shaving her head. That's right. <laughs> so brave. And she didn't even wear pick up. was so brave. Yeah, and she actually gave off. a fuck in that movie, not like Thor 2. I mean, her, I mean it was like it was like having Steven Seagal in a Natalie Portman mask. Let's ask uh, let's ask next time we talk to Ben, let's ask him about Natalie Portman's uh accent in V for Vendetta. <laughs> It was very convincing, I think. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the box office uh, before we head on out of here. The, uh, the num- Just as good as Kevin Costner's and fucking Robin Hood. Yeah, the, uh, the number five movie, uh, the Liam Neeson Taken 3 fell from the number four spot to number five. It did $7.4 million. Uh, I always wanted, wanted somebody else to like pick up the tag phrase like Taken 3 Electric Boogaloo. I think some movie for a sequel should just call it Electric Boogaloo, even though it has nothing to do yes. with Electric Boogaloo. That's right. Rush. Rush Hour 4, Electric Boogaloo. I, okay, now I'm on board. Uh, number four, The Wedding Ringer, which fell from number two to Wedding number Ringer, four. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> wedding, wedding Ringer number two, of course. Uh, 11.3 million. So brave. Uh, Pad- Paddington maintained its spot at, uh, at number three with uh, $12.2 million. Uh, the Boy Next Door debuted at number two. That would, of course, be the J-Lo movie where she... Uh, bones a guy who is not underage but is still in college or something and I don't know, looks stupid. $14.9 million. Yeah, there's a J-Lo is back. Didn't you know that? She's back, Wait, sir. She, the, the whole movie, she just banks some young dude? Yeah, he, he's the boy who lives next door. Uh-huh. And then she she's a teacher, I believe, or a professor or something, if you can buy that. Okay. And uh, then, What does she teach? Well, what, what subject does she teach? Oh, I have no idea, but my guess is Bell astrophysics. <laughs> if she's teaching belly dancing, then, then I, I like her chances at that booty popping um yeah so <laughs> this so this boy who lives next door is taking this booty popping class at the local community I, I would totally take a booty pop dude her ass is fucking the, the it's it, it's got the goods oh sure sure they made uh, her and iggy azalea made a whole video about it who? Uh, you know the australian girl who thinks she's uh, a black girl from detroit I am I am unfamiliar with her, sir. But anyway, back to the J Lo oh, movie. Yeah, so she's dating Swaggy P. Nick I don't even. I, okay, again, that's, an, that's a name I don't recognize. Oh, the Lakers. Okay, got it. Glenn, I think it's entirely possible that you just made up the name Swaggy P. But it's yeah, also I, I, you're awesome. absolutely bullshitting. There's no, no I way swear to God, he person. actually almost got signed by the Pistons. So is that his? Is that his given name? Is Swaggy P? No, his name is Nick Young, but they oh. call he calls himself Swaggy P. Why wouldn't he be Swaggy N or Swaggy Y? I don't what, know. Where's the P come from? I don't. His middle is name he is he talking Paul. about his dick? He's like the modest mouse guy, where he's like he's talking about his shy penis. Clearly, it's for pistons, I think. Well, I I wouldn't say his penis is shy. Then it probably got has a lot of swag to it. Anyway, this J Lo movie made fourteen million. <laughs> oh, swaggy P. So he is talking about his dick. It's swagging. Yeah, got it. Okay, well then, but the, but the modest the modest mouse guy is totally talking about his shy penis. Then, like if that, swaggy P is talking about his dick. Then modest mouse yeah. is talking about his. Like that movie, Swag the Dog. Yeah, um, the great. That was a dick movie. No, the gray was about Liam Neeson because it's talking about his bush. I mean, because he's seasoned, so it is the gray. Uh, the number one movie in America is still American Sniper, which uh, did another $64 million this weekend. I got to check this movie out, man, to see what all the hype's about. Yeah, there's an incredibly fake baby in it, apparently. It is really, really fake. Yeah. For... Like, how fake are we talking? Uh, it's, uh... it's obvious as hell. Uh, like 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 movie like movie babies. If you're not do, using a real baby, they do like a really realistic looking kind of silicone looking you know baby thing. This uh, based on what I saw 
Looks like they went to a Toys R Us and bought a plastic baby. Well, that's because... Tiny both... Blister's lazy eye. What? I'm it's not... because both babies canceled on them, so... <laughs> well, is it... Well, what fact, kind of scene? Is it like... It, there is like, even does, a scene... Does the baby blow up or something where it can't no, be no, like... No. What kind of... like? No, well, the baby's the in its crib. Bradley Cooper picks it up. Uh, and then he's cradling it. But you can see to... its face for a elongated amount of time. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, that's... Nobody on set had a fucking baby. They could have just ran and got real quick just for this shit. Yeah, well, I mean, Sienna Miller isn't married to Jude Law, so she's not pumping out babies anymore, so... Apparently... Or getting cheat on. Apparently, somebody also blew up the scene quite a bit and revealed that it looks like Bradley Cooper is trying to very covertly move the baby's arm with his hand. Oh, that's yeah. rad, dude. Hey, he's a pro. He is a pro. <laughs> he is doing like it. He's doing puppet work while he's doing that shit. Got to give him credit. That's what I'm saying. He's like Frank Oz. He's so brave. He put on like a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. And a beard. So brave. Yeah. Um, so here's the movies that are open. He wears a beard well, though, man. That fucker. Jesus. Um, should we cover the movies that are opening in limited release as well? Because there's one with uh, Jason Statham in it. We can just do that one. Does he get shirtless and oily? Uh, probably. It's called right. Wild Card. And it's got him jumping angrily on the poster, Electric Boogaloo. Is it giving uh, snarl face? It's also also starring in it is uh, Sofia Vergara and Stanley Tucci and Anne Heche. Hmm. Huh. So those are people. And they are. Um, the screen adaptation, I believe, of Michael Jackson's song Black or White is coming out. <laughs> what? Oh, what? yes, that movie with Kevin Costner. Wait, it's like, wait oh, fuck man. you. Hang on, wait, stop. It's not it's, really about the Michael Jackson you. song. Okay, I was getting ready to say, like, dude, I am walking to the cinema right now to get in line oh, for that movie. I also forgot to mention Michael Jackson as someone I love. Uh, Kevin Costner. I don't disagree with you. I like. Is this, really, is this movie really based on his... No, no, it's not. I, I can I can tell you because I saw the trailer for it during American Sniper. I, I I know exactly what it is because when I saw it, I thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Would this be late Oscar bait? No. Oh God, no. Oh oh. It so it, tried, it's, it's no. Nick Cage like trying to adopt like some. No, can I some... just tell you what it is? Because well, yeah. it's really stupid. It does have Academy Award winner Kevin Costner. Academy Award. Oh, winner. I thought Jesus you said Nick Star. Cage. Uh, no. no, no, no. Uh, oh well, then I can't. I can't see this movie. And and they dragged poor Anthony Mackie into this movie as well. Yeah, he is oh, in it. He's man. a lawyer. But go ahead, Glenn. Uh, basically, like Kevin guy. Costner has a granddaughter who uh, is black, but oh. he hates black people. Oh, so he Jesus. doesn't want. He doesn't want her to see. He actually, I'll, I'll actually use what he is says it, about black dude, people. Dude, oh my god, the, dude. dude! Is it the skit? Is it the skit from uh, Chappelle's show where he's <laughs> blind and in the KKK? No, no, no! I wish, but no. So uh, is her... Kevin Costner in blackface in this movie? Um, no, he's not. He's, not. Oh. he's a very rich white man uh-huh. who has a granddaughter that he doesn't want to see his black her black family that is just happens to be on the poor side of town. Oh. And, Octavia Spencer is the grandmother who wants shared custody because uh, Kevin Costner's wife died, so there is no female presence in his life because also his daughter died. Is this a now, Romney biopic? I <laughs> wish, but the father, uh, the father of this girl, is like in and out of jail all the time, and Kevin Costner just thinks he's a scumbag. Well, Anthony Mackie is a lawyer for Octavia Spencer to try and get shared custody. And there is a line where Kevin Costner is on the stand and Anthony Mackie asks him, do you hate black people? And he says, there's just some of them I don't like. 
<laughs> wow. Okay, so are you fucking serious? I am dead serious. This is coming out. This is this is right up there where Kevin. And this Costner... is the one based off the Michael Jackson song. Yes. It, is... it, I mean, it it looks so bad. It's like it's trying to be Crash, but it isn't quite good enough to get away with it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Crash definitely gonna wasn't... crash and burn. Crash wasn't even good enough to be Crash, but no, it just. And I like it's... Crash. I, and I this movie is called Black and White. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it looks so bad. Let's talk about our wide releases. We've got uh, The Loft, which is a wide release film. Oh, by the way, uh, the Michael Jackson movie is a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Um, oh. The Loft is uh, James Marsden and Carl Urban uh, are the leads in this oh, movie. Oh, dude, I saw a trailer for this. It looks, it, it looks pretty fucking good, actually. It has no critical reviews yet. Despite oh, January. balls, that's going to suck. Well, that's a bit so, what what do you consider James Marsden best known for, Aaron? Cyclops. Okay, so because they normally they they list these people's names right, and then usually in parentheses, don't they put like the thing that they're best known for? Yeah, like Enchanted. Yeah, like they do like like <laughs> Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, or something. You know what I mean? I think it should I'm be sorry, Tom I Hanks' only... bachelor party, but that's You're, just me. We have Carl Urban parentheses Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, which uh, is excusable, but I don't think it's the thing he might be best known for. Uh, but maybe. I guess you could maybe make the argument. Arguably. Yeah. And James Marsden, parentheses, two guns. Star. <laughs> Lots of people, I guess, saw two guns with James Marsden. Wow. I didn't even realize he was in that movie. Yeah, he's best known for it, apparently. Huh. Um, so that's opening wide. And uh, the Chronicle sequel about time travel called Project Almanac. Is that's actually not a Chronicle sequel, but if you've seen the trailers, it looks like a Chronicle sequel. Yep. Um, with a bunch of unknowns, just like Chronicle, that's shot exactly like how Chronicle was shot, uh, and is about time travel, is also opening with no tomato meter score either. Um, hey, if, one fresh rating. If it, uh, oh yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, <laughs> one fresh. Uh, it, hey, look, if it if it turns out to be as enjoyable as Chronicle, then awesome. Well, here's what the review says. Well, Project Almanac doesn't exactly blaze a new trail. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this guy, he's an actual reviewer. Mm-hmm. He put a quotation mark at the beginning of Project, but he didn't put one at the end of Almanac. So it's the just whole thing's a quote. <laughs> the whole thing's a quote. Uh, it doesn't exactly blaze a new trail. The movie is smart and knowingly acknowledges just... both its place in time travel subgenre is f- and its formal limitations as a found footage movie. So just imagine him doing big finger air quotes the whole time while he's saying it. It comes out so much more sarcastically. Uh, it acknowledges both its place and time. Yeah, uh, I hope it turns out. I hope it turns out okay because I'm a big nerd for time travel, especially when it's uh, done in kind of a different way. What's and, your favorite time travel movie? Uh, Mine's Midnight in Paris. Uh, let me see here. I don't know. There's uh, there's so many good ones, Glenn. There's uh, there's somewhere in time, uh, the time traveler, time bandits, the uh, the remake of the time machine with guy. <laughs> hey, Pierce. fuck you for letting the time bandits was awesome, dude. <laughs> there's a uh, time cop that's really good. Again, arguably Van Damme's best movie. Uh, Demolition Man. Oh shit, that's right. Arguably one of Stallone's better. <laughs> that is true. 
<laughs> that is definitely true. Um, I, Hot tub time machine. I think we've just discovered that there's a lot of really bad time travel movies. I, na- I think we just found that the next decisive podcast is which is the best time travel movie. Oh, good Lord. It's going to be tough, man. I don't know. Uh, which is the best besides back the Back to the Future franchise? Oh yeah, yeah. Because Midnight in Paris. Paris. That way. What the fuck is Midnight in Paris, Glenn? Is that it's some... a Woody Allen movie, but it's also ass. a time oh, movie. Pass. Yeah, there's no fucking ass. way that no, no way. It's well, awesome. Adrian Brody, Salvador Dali, and Corey okay, Stahl. It, are, is it already sounds worse than Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, Corey Stahl's Hemingway, and it's awesome. And Tom Hiddleston's F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh my God! It sounds like a jerk off fest. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'd rather Adrian uh, go back in time and play a DVD of King Kong because I'd rather watch that than a child fuckers movie. So, sorry, Glenn. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, it's so good, though. I mean, it won Best Original <laughs> Screenplay. I'm, I'm sorry. Look, I don't even have anything against uh, Woody Harrelson. Not Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. You, you, you just think about ass-eating. You go right to Woody Harrelson. That's right. Honey Lister's lazy eye. I, I, don't, I don't have anything against him, but I, I just I felt like I needed to get that out there. So Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, we may make fun of Woody Harrelson, but he can eat ass all he wants. At, at least, you know, everyone we've seen him do it on TV, too, was an adult. That's the only saving grace from that Brett Ratner podcast, everybody, if you want to go listen to it. Uh, I would recommend about- listening to it. Uh, yeah, just just if you want a class in how not to make an entertaining <laughs> podcast. They can't all be winners, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so for everything we talked about today, cinemageekly.com is the place to go. Uh, also, the uh, the social media is Twitter, Facebook, Google+, YouTube, Tumblr, Instagram. We're all, uh, we have an, an all-presence everywhere on the social medias, all at Cinema Geekly. Feel free to go check them out. Go check out Aaron's... Uh, Go check out Aaron's uh, review, the Horror Block review, on his YouTube channel. That's oh, my it. God. It, I, now there's a post about Blink-182. <laughs> what the hell? I'm not typing anything in. I think we're in Project Almanac right now. I think that. it's listening. Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, Skynet's going live, man. We better fucking get to the mountains. Uh, info at cinemageekly.com. Is re- I got to go find Josh Barnett and hopefully trade my butthole to him. It keeps me alive for a while. <laughs> uh, info at cinemageekly.com is where you can uh, send in your contributions uh, to, the, uh, to the next mailbag episode. Uh, assuming there is one and this is not the apocalypse. Um, that's where you want to send it to info at cinemageekly.com. Of course, the podcast you can listen to straight off the website, but, uh, if that's not your thing, we're also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio on your, uh, your Apple, your Windows, or your Android devices. We are, we are everywhere, sir. We are, we are all things to all people, apparently. Maybe that's going a little too far and above. Uh, but we are, we are definitely all over the place. I think we can agree on that. Uh, once again, cinemageekly.com slash premium, head on over there. Uh, if you're not, if that's not your bag, uh, the Amazon button, feel free to use that on the front page of the website and use it to shop on Amazon. And, uh, we get a kickback from those fine people, uh, over at the Amazon. Can we just talk about the biggest news that happened today? Oh, we forgot about something. What did we forget? The Emma Watson thing. The Emma Watson being cast as Belle in Beauty and the Beast live action. Holy shit. Well, I am so sorry. Now it's okay that I'm sexually attracted to Belle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we finished the podcast on a disturbing note. Tiny um, Lister's lazy ass. What? She's 23 or 4? No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're Aaron is actively yeah, trying to... Guardian, my Leviosa. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Aaron is actively trying to cast some Patron all over. Mm. That's right. Uh, Aaron is actively trying to cast her in the Cinema Geekly Zombie Sex Chat feature film. Yeah. Tiny uh, Lister's lazy ass. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so for Glenn Bovain uh, and Aaron DeLosa, I'm Anthony Lewis. Oh, we'll be back next week on the Cinema Geekly Podcast.
For more content like Who Made Who, Level Your Gear, the Gotham Podcast, Flashing Arrow Podcast, and the new Horribly Flawed and Incredibly Decisive Podcast, visit cinemageekly.com slash premium and part with just $12. That's 12 bucks for a year's worth of awesome content. What else could you buy for $12 that will last all year and give you hours of geeky entertainment? 